May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So has anyone heard the one about the guy who goes to his pastor to complain about the church? It's a shocking premise, I know. So this guy walks into the pastor's office unannounced, and the first thing he says is, I've just about had it with the church. And she says, okay, it's going to be one of those meetings. And she says, why don't you sit down? What's, what's going on? So the man says, you know, we're always talking about the Prince of Peace, but since the Crusades, the church has done nothing but start wars and try to conquer other countries. You're always preaching about how important it is to care for the poor, but I see these megachurch pastors with their jumbo private jets and these priests in their fancy clothes, and there are people going hungry out on the streets. Our church claims to be so loving and welcoming and hospitable, but I was just stuck in bed for a month after my surgery, and nobody visited me, nobody even called, nobody cared or noticed I was gone. I'm tired of it all. The church is full of hypocrites. The pastor leaned back in her chair, and she considered it for a minute. And then she said, nah, I'm not buying it. The guy says to her, what do you mean you're not buying it? Come on, the pastor said. The church is not full of hypocrites. We've got room for plenty more. (laughs) In his parable today, Jesus invites us to consider whether that might actually be true. The story is simple enough. It's hardly even a parable, right? I mean, a man has two sons. He tells them to go and work in the vineyard. One of them says yes, but doesn't go. The other one says no, but goes and does the work anyway. Which one did what the father wants? It's not so much a parable as a leading question. The answer's clear. It's the child who says no, but changes his mind, who's in the right. And you might even editorialize a bit, expand the parable for Jesus if you want to, and you could rank the four different possibilities, right? The the conscientious, goody-two-shoes, church attender son who says yes and then goes and works, well, he would be the best. The one who says no and then flip-flops and goes and does the work still, well, that's not so bad. Third has to come the one who says no and then actually doesn't do it, right? At least you can give that one some credit for consistency. But the worst is clearly the hypocrite, the one who says yes and then disappears and doesn't do it. And it's hard to see how anyone could disagree with any of that. But then Jesus connects the dots, and that's where things get a little bit spicy. He's in the temple, after all, talking to the chief priests and the elders of the people, to the conscientious and the diligent, the respected and the holy. And he says to them, John the Baptist came and preached to you, and you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. You, the good and the great, who claim to follow God and even to lead God's people, to teach God's law, ignored God's chosen messenger. But the people who aren't so great or so good, the ones who everyone else would have said were living in violation of God's will, they believed John the Baptist. You, the chief priests and the elders, are like the hypocritical son who said he'd work in the vineyard, but refused. But they are like the other son who strayed at first and then changed his ways. And I imagine that you could have heard a sandal drop in the room. Jesus is like that disgruntled church member in the joke. 
He walks straight up to the religious leaders and accuses them of hypocrisy, right, to their faces. He accuses them of saying one thing and doing another. And he may well have been right. But it leaves me with the question, if Jesus appeared in our world today and took a hard look at our churches, would he say the same thing or not? Would he accuse us of hypocrisy in the same way that the indignant parishioner does? Is the church really full of hypocrites? Or, as the punchline goes, is there room for plenty more? So here's the thing. Not one person in this room is perfect. And I say that not because I've stayed up late into the night scrutinizing each one of you for your many flaws and fallibilities. <laughs> Although I guess I could, I don't know. <laughs> But I say that not because I've done that, but because no human being in the world is perfect. And we all know that, right? Every single one of us falls short by one measure or another. Every so often, at least, or maybe more often than that. Every single one of us is limited by our own scarcity of time or energy or money or willpower. None of us can truly love God with all our heart and all our strength and all our mind and our neighbor as ourself. We all have days when we say yes to doing the right thing and then flake out, and maybe years where we say no to doing what's right and then change our minds, or don't. Every one of us is like each of these two sons at different times and in different ways. And if imperfection is what we're measuring, then yes, the church and the world are full of imperfect people. In many cases, in fact, I think that many people come to church because they know that they're imperfect people and they need that regular reminder of God's love and grace. A regular reminder that, as our collect that opened the service today put it, God shows God's almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity. We are imperfect and we're loved anyway and thank God for that. But imperfection isn't hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is more like imperfection plus judgment, a kind of holier-than-thou-ness that denies our own flaws, that puts us up onto a pedestal just high enough to make a nice satisfying crash when we fall off of it. Hypocrites can't admit that they're flawed. They certainly can't admit that they're hypocrites. And this is what works so well about the joke, isn't it? To say that the church is not yet full of hypocrites because there's room for plenty more, is to disarm something of the charge. It's not to excuse our many imperfections. It's just to acknowledge that we know that they're there. There's no such thing, in a sense, as a humble hypocrite. And humility is exactly the way we should respond in the face of human imperfection, our own and everyone else's. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. He doesn't say this as a put-down. He doesn't say you should humiliate yourself or that other people really are better than you. To regard others as better than you is to be humble, to make the assumption that you're no better than anyone else. In fact, they may be better than you. He draws a parallel between what Jesus chose to do and what we ought to do. When Jesus humbles himself, gives up that equality with God, and takes on all the messiness of a human life, 
And Paul invites us to act in the same way, to empty ourselves of any claim to perfection, and to recognize in humility that other people may well be imperfect, but we're imperfect too. And yet not to forget that we have our own origin as children of God. Our task sometimes as Christians is to cultivate that mind of Christ, Paul describes, to live in the dual reality of fundamental goodness and absolute imperfection, to hold on to the truth of being the beloved children of God and to embrace the inevitable flaws that come with being human. This is the way of love and life that Jesus lays out before us that Ezekiel exhorts us to turn back to, to empty ourselves of our striving for perfection and our pretense to perfection, to recognize and to admit that we're imperfect and to give up on judging anyone else as if they should be less imperfect than we are, and yet never to give up the hope of saying yes and following through, of turning toward God and living as fully as God wants us to live, of remembering always that, as Paul says, it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for God's good pleasure. So maybe the church isn't full of hypocrites exactly. Maybe we have an imperfect history and an imperfect present. Maybe we are all imperfect people, people like you and me. But even then, the church isn't full of imperfect people. After all, there's room for many more. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.